Hey guys, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. So chapter 24 continues with Surah Al-Zumar. Allah asks us, Is there anyone worse than a person who denies Islam and then makes up lies even after they've been told the truth? Back then, the disbelievers never even gave Islam a chance, or if they did, they would make up lies just to lead people astray. Today, the same thing happens where we see atheists or Islamophobic people all over the internet who think they know Islam just because they read a few verses out of context and then spread lies and misinformation. Like when you see those Instagram pages where people are making fun of the Prophet peace be upon him. Allah says, all those people who gave Islam a chance and accepted the truth will have all that they wish for. In fact, Allah will wipe away their worst deeds and reward them for their best deeds. Meaning all the sins a person had before accepting Islam would be wiped away. The righteous Muslims and all of those who accepted the truth will be granted Jannah. The Prophet peace be upon him mentions that if you want Allah to love you, if you want the Prophet peace be upon him to love you, then you must have these three qualities. 1. Truthful speech. Meaning speak the truth, listen the truth, and live by the truth. 2. Look after the things that someone has trusted you with, whether that's money or property or anything. Lastly, be a good neighbor. Isn't that interesting? I didn't expect these three things to be listed, but this again just shows the beauty of Islam and how it's the simple things that make Allah happy. So as the surah continues, Allah asks, Is Allah not enough for you people? These disbelievers will rely on false gods and saints and peers who cannot help them. And Allah asks them, Do you think that these stone gods can remove the harm that Allah can punish someone with? Can these saints and gurus stop someone from receiving the blessings Allah gives them? In essence, if the entire world was trying to harm you, no one, no one would be able to touch even a hair on your head if Allah didn't want them to. And if the entire world tried to help you, you would not be helped or cured unless Allah allows it. Even today, Muslims still have this issue where they run to peers, babas, and saints before even asking Allah for help. They argue, it's the same thing as going to doctors. But actually, it's different because you are asking these saints with the belief that they have control over certain things, when in reality they don't. Even doctors, unless Allah wants the cure to work, it won't work. There is nothing wrong with asking for help from the right people. But the point is, the first place you should go and ask for help is with Allah and then allow Allah to direct you to the right people. Allah says these people might scare others into not following Islam, but who do you fear more? These people or Allah? How about in today's world? How many of us don't practice Islam because we are afraid of being judged by either non-Muslims or even by Muslims? How many times do we change our behavior because we don't want to look too religious in front of our Muslim friends? I get it, peer pressure can be hard, but remind yourself, you should fear Allah more and Allah knows the struggle of being a good Muslim, which is why the reward is even greater. Allah tells the Prophet Muhammad wasallam, Allah revealed the Quran for all mankind. Those who follow it, it's going to be great for them. And those who don't, then it's their loss. O Prophet, it will not hurt you. Meaning, you can't force people to be on the right path. Your job is only to tell them about the right path and the rest is up to them. Do we ever make an effort to share the Quran? Because it is our duty to do so. It's our duty to share Islam. Many people feel it's awkward when it's, you know, a non-Muslim or that sometimes, you know, when a friend has a problem, we don't want to tell them, hey, listen, you need to start praying because we know that they'll get annoyed. But can you imagine the reward you'll get for even trying? And how about the reward you'll get if they actually change? Allah mentions that Allah takes away the soul during two times. One at the hour of death, and the second when a person sleeps. In the previous chapters of the Quran, Allah mentioned that sleep is like death, and that every time we sleep, Allah raises part of our soul and then returns it to us. So next time you go to sleep, remind yourself that sleep is like death's sibling. You will be going to sleep not knowing if you will wake up. So reflect on your day. 
Ask yourself, are you ready to meet Allah if you died right now? Did you make Allah happy and proud today? And when you wake up, say Alhamdulillah that Allah returned your soul back to you. With this sleep example, Allah is basically showing the disbelievers that look, Allah controls life and death, yet you still try and compare Allah to these false gods? You still think that these smaller gods actually communicate with Allah? No, you people are mistaken. Allah says on the day of judgment, the disbelievers will be willing to offer all of their money, all of their treasures, just to have one more chance. But it will be too late. Instead, the disbelievers will see all of their sins surround and suffocate them. Allah tells us how Allah does so much for us and how every time a person is in trouble, they cry out to Allah for help. And then as soon as Allah solves their problem, they take credit and say, oh yeah, I fixed my own solution. I got myself out of this problem because I'm smart. Allah explains that the provisions, meaning the blessings Allah gives to people, isn't based on how good they are, if they're a good Muslim or not, if they're Allah's favorites, or if they're being punished or not. Because the people back then had the same thoughts that we do today. That if someone is blessed with wealth and success, that must mean that they are good Muslims or Allah is happy with them. Allah says no. Allah sometimes gives people wealth and success as a punishment. Sometimes Allah lets poverty hit a person as a blessing. Remember, if anything brings a person closer to Allah, it is a blessing. And if anything pushes a person away from Allah, it is a punishment. If losing your job brought you closer to Allah, that's a blessing. If getting a million dollar job has made you so busy that you forget to pray, then that is a punishment. Allah reminds us again that, O oh servants, don't ever lose hope in being forgiven by Allah. No matter how much you've sinned, no matter how many times you've asked for forgiveness and repeated that sin, do not ever think that you are unforgivable. Allah is the most merciful and Allah will forgive you as long as you repent and stop doing that sin. Allah says, repent and turn to Allah before it's too late. We have no idea when we might die. People always tell themselves, oh, I'll stop this sin soon. I'll wait till Ramadan or when I go to Hajj or Umrah, I'll stop. I'm still so young. I'm just going to enjoy now and then repent later. Again, you never know if there will be a later. And that attitude, that attitude is taking advantage of Allah's mercy. People are so used to following the easy parts of Islam when they want and they make up excuses as to why they couldn't pray when they had work. We all know deep down that it just takes a five minute break to pray a single salah. So if you're one of those people that make up excuses and just don't care, you should start caring before you go to sleep at night and then not wake up the next morning. People on the day of judgment will complain, if only Allah guided me. And Allah will say, no, Allah sent you so many signs but you ignored it. On the day of judgment, the trumpet will be blown and everyone will die. Allah's light will shine and everything will be flattened and Jannah will be folded up in Allah's right hand. And then the trumpet will be blown a second time and everyone will come back to life. They will be wrapped with their deeds and they will be driven in groups to either hell or heaven. And all of those in Jannah will see the angels surrounding Allah's throne, praising Allah. The entire universe will be praising Allah at that time. So this is where Surah Al-Zumar ends. Chapter 24 continues with Surah Al-Ghafir. So this Surah is actually known by two names, Surah Al-Ghafir and Surah Mumin. This surah begins by stating, again, that this message is from Allah, the all-knowing, the forgiver of sins, the acceptor of repentance, the one who disciplines, and the generous. So as always, Allah starts with these qualities of Himself to remind the people that, hey, Allah loves to forgive and accept your apology. This way, the disbelievers would see how merciful Allah is. But to also see that Allah can and will punish if you disobey Allah. Allah tells us that throughout time, people have always argued over Allah's signs. People have always made up lies and spread confusion, but that it's important not to get distracted by them. Every nation argued with their messenger, 
Every nation planned to murder their prophet, and what did Allah always do? He wiped those people away. We all know what happens to the disbelievers, but Allah describes something very beautiful about the disbelievers. The angels who carry Allah's throne and those that surround the throne making dhikr of Allah, they make dua on the behalf of the believers, asking Allah to forgive the believers for their mistakes. The Prophet Muhammad told his people, Allah told me to describe to you one of the angels that carry Allah's throne. That angel, the space between his earlobe and his shoulder, that distance is a journey of 700 years. So this angel is huge. And what is this angel doing besides holding Allah's throne? It is making dua for the believer. How many times do we ask others to please make dua for us? Often, right? Imagine that this is the reward for being a good believing Muslim, that the angels are making dua on your behalf. SubhanAllah. Allah tells us that when the day of judgment will come, all of those people who didn't believe will regret it. All those people who wasted their life away chasing this dunya's riches will regret. Imagine you bought a lotto ticket. It is haram by the way, but just imagine. And that the ticket was for a billion dollars. You accidentally threw yours away and then a week later you were told that your ticket won. How upset would you be? You would hate yourself. You just lost out on a billion dollars. This is exactly how everyone will feel on the day of judgment. Well, worse actually since those people will be going to hell. People will confess their sins on the day of judgment. They will admit that they were wrong and they will beg Allah if there is any way to go back and Allah will say no. Allah gave you so many signs and so many chances and now it's just too late. This is the time to change. Change before it is too late. People keep thinking that they have time and that they're healthy. No, you could literally have the roof collapse over your head or get into an accident. So make Allah your priority and Allah will make you a priority. Everyone knows how hard it is to get a promotion in this world, right? You have to put in so much effort. But with Allah, Allah is so merciful. Allah raises your rank, your position with every little effort. Even the tiniest effort, even that one tiny step you take towards Allah, Allah raises your level. That's the easiest and the best promotion ever. Allah tells us that every deed will be exposed on the day of judgment because Allah knows about every little glance that you make. You might be sitting with someone and maybe they didn't notice, but Allah notices. Allah notices all the thoughts in your mind and everything in your heart. Again, Allah mentions to the disbelievers, have you guys not traveled through the land and seen all the nations that have been destroyed? These nations were much bigger and stronger than you and yet Allah wiped them away. Allah then mentions the story of Prophet Musa and Pharaoh again, just to show that look, look how arrogant the Pharaoh and his people were and look what happened to them in the end. Allah tells us how after the Pharaoh and all of his people drowned and died, they will be exposed to fire every morning and evening and then once the day of judgment comes, Allah will let the real and worst punishment begin. So this verse basically proves that there is such a thing as punishment of the grave. The Prophet Muhammad told the Sahaba that the grave is the first stage of the hereafter. If one is safe there, then what happens after will be easy. But if they aren't safe in the grave, then what happens after will be even worse. King Fir'aun was arrogant. He had too much pride to believe in Allah. But what about us? We might believe in Allah, but sometimes we have too much pride to make dua. That's how lazy we are. When we avoid making dua because we think, oh, I got this. Things aren't that bad that I need to make dua for this. Oh, I'm taking my medicine. I'm doing what I need to. I don't need to make dua. I can handle this. This is arrogance. Don't do this. There are many people in this world who don't like being bothered to help. Sure, some people can be very helpful, but they get tired, right? Imagine that you're the person who always has to pay for their friends because they don't have money. Eventually, you're gonna get tired of it, right? But Allah, Allah Himself says that He loves to help. He loves to give. 
And Allah's help is unlimited, it's infinite. So ask Allah, how do you feel when someone looks up to you and asks you for advice? You feel loved and important, right? Allah loves when you ask Him for help, even on the tiniest things. <laughs> In fact, the Sahaba even used to make dua for something as small as tying their shoelace. So this is where Surah Ghafir ends and the chapter continues with Surah Fussilat. So this Surah begins like the rest, that this message is from Allah, the most merciful and compassionate, and that this message, this book is very easy to understand and it's in a language you people can understand. This book has both good news and also warnings. So Allah is basically letting the disbelievers know that, hey, give this book a chance. Have an open mind. This isn't an evil message. No one is trying to hurt you. We are just trying to help. But what did the believers say to the Prophet Muhammad Nah, we're not interested in your God or your stories. Allah tells the Prophet, peace be upon him, tell the believers that you are just a man. The Prophet cannot force anyone to listen and change. Allah insists that even though they don't want to listen, tell them the message anyway. Sometimes people are afraid to speak up or share about Islam, whether it's to a non-Muslim friend or even Muslim people. It's normal to be shy, but don't ever be embarrassed that, oh, why should I mention Islam if they don't care if they don't want to listen? Mention it anyway. You never know if it might just click with them. Allah describes how He made the universe, the earth and Jannah. In one of the previous chapters, we spoke about Allah talking about placing firm mountains on earth as anchors. And we learned that science today admit the same thing that these mountains go very high up, but also very deep down below the earth. So they're basically holding on to the tectonic plates, keeping the earth still. Allah tells us again how Allah provides nourishment, food, and energy to every living organism. And yet you disbelievers still doubt that Allah is your one true God? How arrogant and ignorant can you people be? Allah mentions the people of Ad and Thamud. Both nations rejected their prophet saying, if Allah wanted to send us a personal message, he would have sent down the message through an angel. And as we already went over this, human eyes would just not be able to see the light of angels. They would go blind. And if Allah had sent the angels down in the form of humans, then the people would think that these are just regular humans. Both nations thought that they were the strongest and felt like they didn't need Allah. They were happy and successful, so why change? And we all know what happened to both nations. Poof, demolished. The disbelievers knew the Quran was impressive and they knew that people were going to be persuaded by it. So they literally planned to stop people from hearing it. And how did they do that? by acting like kids. They literally made noises, la 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 la, so that people would not hear the message. Allah says, the good Muslims who stay strong and do their best, angels will come down and cheer them on and make dua for them. You won't be able to see them, but angels will come and make sure that you stay positive and strong. Next time you feel a little down, imagine that angels are surrounding you and supporting you. Allah tells the Prophet Muhammad that just because the disbelievers treat the Muslims badly, does not mean that the Muslims should also act the same way back. No. Allah says, treat them with love and kindness. Forgiving them is good. Don't just forgive them, but do more than that. Be kind because this is the only way you can erase the hate and become friends. How about us? When people treat us badly, whether it's a stranger or a close friend, how do we react? We give them the same treatment back or we do nothing. Allah warns us that the shaitan will try and make you angry, will try and convince you to teach the other person a lesson, give them a taste of their own medicine. This is when it's important to say, A'udhu Billahi Minashaitan Ar-Rajim. In that situation, Allah tells us instead of doing nothing, do something, do something good. This is what it means to be a good Muslim. Always try to be the better person. Allah tells us that another excuse the disbelievers had to not believe in the Quran was that the Quran is in Arabic. The Prophet, peace be upon him, is an Arab man who speaks Arabic, so he could have easily written it himself, right? 
It would have been more impressive if he wrote the message in a different language. Allah tells them, even if Allah had sent the Quran down in a different language, these people would still complain that if Allah is trying to talk to us, why would Allah send us the message in Spanish or French? Point is, if someone has their mind made up, they will make up any excuse not to believe. There are many Muslims out there who don't like following some of the rules in Islam. And without any knowledge, they will make up excuses as to how this rule isn't real or how this rule doesn't apply in today's time. That maybe it's okay to hang out with boys and girls alone if you're just friends and your intentions are good. No, do not let shaitan guide you away like that. So, this is where chapter 24 ends. Surah Fussilat continues in chapter 25.